Hey, this is Adam with Mile High Stash, the podcast that asks what five albums you would take to a remote Colorado cabin in the event of a zombie apocalypse. Armed with only food, water, and a crank-powered Victrola, what five records would you want? Welcome to the second Monday in January, 2023. Uh, did you break your promises to yourself yet? Let's hope not. This is a rebirth, people. The latest album from the incredible Denver band Is Kali is actually called Rebirth. And Is Kali's frontman, Miguel Avina, is our guest on Mile High Stash today. Um, I learned a lot about him during our chat, including that um, he was born in Mexico and he learned a lot from his dad, El Crow, um, about music and, and, you know, his musical education is from his dad, not just the music his dad turned him on to as a kid, uh, but the energy that his dad has on stage. Um, and music is, is about family uh, to Miguel and activism as much as it is rocking out, um, with his sister, Brenda, who's in the band too. Um, I just got back from my fourth a trip to Mexico, and it really does fascinate me more every time I go there. Um, I've been to Cuba and Puerto Rico and Belize and Anguilla, but uh, Mexico in particular, um, you know, every time I go, it, it just makes me want to see and experience more of it. Um, and the more I read about it um, as well, you know, the, the Aztecs, had maybe the biggest and most advanced city in the world before white people came and literally destroyed it and built Mexico City on top of it. And it it took almost 400 years for the population of, of Mexico City to you know get up to where it was before uh, the Spanish came. And uh, also it took almost that long for the Spanish to figure out indoor plumbing as well as the Aztecs had. Um, I also feel like Latin rock and roll is often big and advanced and and explosive. I actually, I read an interview with Metallica recently where James Hetfield said um, he sees music like a flowing river and Lars Ulrich sees it like a mathematical equation. Is Kali seems to create music that's like a flowing mathematical equation. Uh, anyway, before I get to my conversation with Miguel, I wanted to say that while we have had some great sponsors on Mile High Stash and we hope to have more support um, in the future for, um, you know, equipment and time and help with mixing, things like that um, with sponsorships. And even if, if you just want to Venmo me anytime, at, um, it's at AdamIce9. Um, Anyway, I wanted to give a shout-out. Instead of a sponsorship, I just wanted to give a shout-out to an incredible Latino-owned Colorado restaurant called Nopalitos in Boulder. Uh, their new Nopalitos location opens on the 29th Street Mall in Boulder this March, and you better check out their tacos and burritos and guacamole and their strong ass margaritas they're really good uh nopalitos was founded 
by a great guy from El Salvador who visited Mexico as a young man. It was inspired by the food and the culture there. One of the rep locate the food he loved in Mexico, but do it here in Colorado. Uh, look for the new Nopalitos location on the 29th Street Mall in Boulder this winter. Anyway, I am very sorry for rambling on so much, but here's my chat with Miguel from his colleague. We're here with um, Miguel Avina, that I say right? Yeah, from Izcali, which, uh, correct me if I'm uh, wrong, but I would describe it as kind of an alternative hard rock band, you know, with a Latin twinge. How do you decide which songs are going to be in uh, Spanish and which in English? Uh, You know, sometimes it just... We let the music flow and, and kind of dictate that. A lot of the times the the slower songs will be written kind of lyrically, and a lot of the times it just feels like Spanish feels more of a romantic language for mm-hmm. those kinds of things. Um, but really we let the music flow and kind of when the lyrics come up as they as they feel natural. Mm-hmm. I found over the years that my even my vocal range kind of changes depending on the language. I tend to sing a little higher in English. Yeah. than I do in Spanish. So I think it, it has to do with the style of the music, but it's not something I start off with in mind, usually. So are you from Colorado originally? No, you, I was born in Mexico City. In Mexico yeah. City. And when did you move here? Um, I've been here a couple of different times. The first time I moved here was in 92. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we moved back to Mexico in 1997, and then back in 2001, and I've been here ever since. Wow. Yeah. Uh, how often do you go back home to Mexico City? Um, not often, um, not as often as I'd like. I love it. I love visiting there. I, mm. I love living in Colorado, but I yeah. love visiting Mexico. Um, it's a beautiful place to live and, and, and visit, um, but I, I don't have a lot of family there anymore. Most of my family's here now, so yeah. I don't have much of an excuse to go down there. Uh-huh. Uh, anymore um i'd love to get down there more often though for sure um but yeah i think last time i was there was in 2018 i had uh, a vocal surgery so i went down there for that to take care of that wow Mm -hmm. well that sounds pretty crucial it was for sure (laughs) were you terrified oh yeah absolutely yeah it was like i realized i couldn't sing in a certain range anymore there was like definitely there was um uh gaps in my range so I, I actually went to a clinic here in Colorado, uh, mm-hmm. a voice clinic here, and they, they did um, a scope, and they saw that I had a vocal polyp. Um, but it was, like, way too expensive to, mm-hmm. to do. Like, even with insurance, it was way too expensive to cover. So I researched everything online and, and went down there. I, I would say from, like, the when I got diagnosed with it, it would probably took about a month and a half before I was down in Mexico and, and getting the procedure done. Yeah. So... Wow. But it was a success. So I was yeah. very grateful. And it was definitely a, an eye opening experience in terms of like my habits and like mm. my life habits and but my performance habits as well. Yeah. 
It's like a baseball player getting the uh, Tommy John. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, if it doesn't work out, what are you going to do? Yeah. Wow. Uh, so tell me about uh, growing up in Mexico and, and you know, your family, um, your upbringing and um, discovering music. Absolutely. Um, well, I grew up in Mexico City, um, went to school down there for I, obviously the first few years of my life. It was a great experience there. My dad um, has always been a musician since, since I was a kid, since I can remember. Uh, and he played in hard rock bands or mm. slash kind of metal bands in the 80s. Um, so music was always a, a thing that was happening around me, not necessarily, um, being exposed to the actual, like visualizing it, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, there was tapes and see, and records at the time, tapes and records always around the house, but mm -hmm. I never actually got to see my dad perform mm -hmm. at that young age. Um, which is, you know, um, which was kind of different because I would see my dad kind of leave and I just didn't really know what he was doing. I just mm. knew he was playing music. Um, but um, yeah, that was kind of my upbringing. I was really more into like sports and video games and stuff like that. And it wasn't until I was around like 16, like junior year of high school that I really started getting interested in music. Mm. Um, and when I graduated uh, high school, then I started playing in my dad's band. So I was the lead guitar for his band. So, what was the band called? El Coro. How do you spell that? E L C R O. Uh, two separate words. Out. Yeah, it's his nickname. But um, yeah. so he's, it's always been kind of his band, um, but he's had a bunch of musicians. It's funny because a lot of the Denver like Latin scene musicians have played with him. Oh yeah. Yeah. So everybody's played well. with El Coro <laughs> <laughs> at some point, but um, it was definitely a treat to be able to play on stage with my dad that was a kind of a family affair kind of deal and yeah it was awesome to get that experience under my belt before starting my own band he's mm -hmm. um but uh, the band the music i mean i'm sorry the family's always been a, a musical thing but um it just it, it didn't develop until later we didn't yeah. we didn't have money really to go to like music lessons or anything mm -hmm. like that or even a lot of interest in, in me. I wasn't really interested in it until later. Um, what kind of music did you listen to growing up? Was it Mexican rock music or was it no, American? Well, mostly what I was exposed to through my dad. Um, again, I was never really paying attention, but now mm -hmm. going back and remembering like some of the names, it was like Def Leppard and mm -hmm. Motley Crue, a lot of Led Zeppelin, mm -hmm. The Doors, uh, classic mm -hmm. rock in 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 english and then in spanish all the mexican bands like el tri el aragan um there's this band called phobia do you know that phobia yeah, yeah, they're, yeah they're more like a they would be more on the pop side of yeah, things yeah, but yeah. yeah they've been around for a while too mm. um but yeah and then when i started getting into music i liked more like pop punk kind of bands like green day mm. and blink 182 that was kind of my my stuff at yeah. the time 90s kid yeah mm. <laughs> was your sister also into music no, kind of, kind of same deal. Um, you know, music was always around, um, but we weren't really into it. And then mm. when she started playing an instrument, was um, when I when I started in college, there was a at a community college of Denver actually, they had a um, like a talent show, and I put together a band of like all these kids, including my sister, and she got to play the bass. That was her like default instrument mm -hmm. that was all that was left at the time <laughs> so she picked up the bass and then played in that band it's called T the tilted balance i remember that 
And then um, about a year later, once Iskali was already going, I, the bass player I had at the time dropped out, and I just asked her to join, and she's been with the band ever since. Yeah. What is your sister's name? Brenda. Brenda. Yeah. Yeah. And what year was this that Iskali started, and then she joined a year later? Uh, Iskali started in 2005, okay. and then she joined in 2006. So your whole time in Colorado, have you been in Denver? Um, yeah, Denver, Aurora area, for sure, yeah. Um, and you guys have, what, like five records out, right? Six. Six yeah. records. And the most recent one was? Rebirth. Did that come out 2021? Uh, Twenty. It was this year. Oh, yeah, this year? Yeah. How do you feel about that record? Great. It's, yeah. um, it, it owns up to the name Rebirth mm -hmm. for us, as far as musically speaking, definitely. Um, some of the music was, um, you know, developed during the pandemic when mm. things were just, nobody really knew what was going to happen. Mm. I mean, we kind of had an idea, but nobody really knew. Um, so it was a lot of questioning what was going to happen with not only our careers, but our lives yeah. really in, in music. Uh, a lot of spiritual awakening during that time happened for us, for all three of the members, the core members of the band. Mm. So, um... When we finally got into the studio to record that album, it was like we really didn't have an expectation, and we were able to kind of re not rebrand, but really, you know, just not have any attachments to the things we had done previously, mm -hmm. and just let it go and just flow with the music in, in ways we hadn't done before. Um, so you really evolved as a band for sure. And, um, um, it's it's not like you started the band thinking this is our sound and now you still have that sound you've really grown and, and especially like I said the attachment to like being like oh we're a rock band but like mm. just being able to be like let's get in there and just flow with what music we have in us right and as an example of that like years ago you would have never like expected that I would be writing a cumbia song or a salsa mm. song you know yeah and and just being able to explore that without judgment for myself and be like, no, no, we can't sound like that. Like, we're not that kind of band. And just being able to create something, it just feels really natural to me. So mm -hmm. it was nice. And, and the people that have followed us over the years, will can note, will, they can notice that, obviously, that yeah. there's been a development and evolution in the sound. Um, and I think it's a lot for the better. We also worked with a producer for the first time from, like, the early stages of the product as opposed to kind of bringing mm. the producer in later who was it uh tyler and he uh he had a has a band called eldrin oh yeah um yeah. and he produces a lot of like kind of the psych pop kind of bands in denver is um correct me if i'm wrong but the trumpet player from eldrin is in your uh, band right? um i don't know if he no the violin player Sorry. violin yeah that's Josh. right yeah. yes i think that's yeah. what you're thinking of yeah yeah um and yeah, but working with him has been really neat because we've really uh, developed a like a synergy in our in mm -hmm. our working relationship. Um, he's very opinionated. I'm very opinionated. Mm -hmm. So it's like sometimes can be clashy, but it's always for the better uh, mm -hmm. of the product. Um, and again, this time we got to work with him early on. So Brenda and Luigi were both able to experience that. The previous album, I kind of worked with him alone. So mm -hmm. I came back and showed them the album. They're like, what is this? This doesn't <laughs> like, sound like... what happened? Like, yeah, what happened? Mm -hmm. And it, it was kind of difficult to yeah. to express to them, like, this is why we changed stuff. 
So this you time were the I was Robbie Robertson of, of the band. Right? That's <laughs> yeah. what happened. <laughs> and so this time around, I was like, "You guys come in, mm-hmm. and you, so you guys can see that happening." Mm-hmm. And so they were more um, involved in in terms of seeing that development mm-hmm. from when it was like just this idea to like how it ended up. Yeah. So you talked about the core members of the band and you, Luigi, Brenda, and you. How has the lineup of the band shifted since you since you started this Kali? So yeah, so. I, uh, I call that the core of the band because that's like what really grounds the band, like mm-hmm. the power uh, section of the band. Yeah. And then from there on, um, the auxiliary players who really are in the band, just we um, we can sometimes alternate them or like if we can kind of, depending on the situation or the type of venue we're playing, we can do with them or without them, depending on their mm-hmm. availability and stuff like that. A lot of them have other projects right. too. So um, Josh Lee, he's probably one of the longest tenured with us. He plays the fiddle. Um, Wes Watkins, he plays the oh, trumpet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's been on a lot of uh, projects, of course. Nathaniel Rateliff. Nathaniel Rateliff, mm-hmm. including. And then The Other Black is one of his main projects. Right, yeah. Um, David Minas, um, he's been in the Latin music scene for years. Uh, he plays a saxophone. And then the, for this album, we've tapped uh, Mario Moreno. Um, he played with the plays with the band called JMO Club mm-hmm. um, on percussions, um, and then Mark Wolkolak on trombone, uh, and Tyler as a producer, but also plays uh, the keyboard on on this album. Is he going to be at, He'll be at, at the, the Gothic show? show? Yeah, this show oh, we're bringing fun. everybody everybody yeah. to it. And then for this particular album, we also had a collaboration with uh, another um, local artist. Her name is Bailey Laura. So we co-wrote a couple of the songs on the album, so it's the first time we have like a female vocal on yeah. the tracks. Oh, awesome. So um, before we end up talking for three hours, which I could easily do, <laughs> um, I want to jump in to our um, theme here. Okay. So um, imagine that uh, zombies have risen from the dead and you somehow escape. Unfortunately, you're on your own. There's nobody with you, and you're in, <laughs> in the mountains uh, in Colorado somewhere you can probably envision, and you have um, you know, uh, a cabin with enough food and water, and the only other thing is a crank-powered Victrola. So you get to bring five vinyl albums. Okay. What is your first choice? Okay. Um, well, the good thing is that a lot of the... Uh, the new music is also on vinyl, so I can, right, yeah. I can pick some of those. Um, let's see. Um, I would say one of the albums that I can like literally listen to on repeat um, that I love musically, I love her voice and the production of the album, the musicianship of it, is uh, Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. Oh, wow. It's an, I just love that album. Yeah. Um, and I could just put it on repeat all the time. So I would include that. Um, uh, Led Zeppelin Two, I think, is one of my favorite. Um, Let's just go with two for now, and then we'll go. Okay. Then we'll go back. But wow. yeah, so Jack and Little Pill and Led Zeppelin Two. Yes. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I would start off with those two, for sure. Uh, what songs on each of those like stick with you? Uh, let's see. Immigrant Song definitely is one of my favorite ones. Uh, and then for Jagged Little Pill. There's so many. I mean, 
I mean, ironic and um, ironic is definitely the most popular one one hand in my pocket one hand in my pocket yeah, yeah. <laughs> i actually um i was really into radiohead uh around the um pablo honey and the Benz period okay that, that was before they were radiohead you know like up the new pink floyd basically and they were opening for alanis morissette yeah, yeah. <laughs> when i was 15 and uh, my girlfriend at the time was really into Alanis and I was into Radiohead so I got to go see Radiohead um, and and actually um, some people might think Alanis Morissette um, is dated but like not only did she have such an impact on a, a lot of young singer songwriters and just music lovers but um her band at the time had taylor hawkins from yeah. food fighters yeah, yeah. and it was a killer band yeah it was they were really really good yeah yeah and i i watched a documentary where they talk about that and they yeah. also talk about that tour with radiohead mm. um but she, uh nowadays she's also a huge advocate for like mental health and trauma mm. awareness and stuff like that so yeah. i just she's come full circle and like i feel connected to that to what she's doing with that kind of work in yeah. terms of her celebrity and stuff mm. and like um in that documentary they talk a lot about kind of like the dark side of the business especially mm. from where she came from and a lot of the battles she had to go through of being like this pop star because she was technically trying to be built as a pop star mm. like that was kind of the vein she was coming from and then they kind of took her in like a grunge kind of thing because yeah. that was the thing at the time but she's a great artist so i admire her Sure. And then Led Zeppelin, I mean, you mentioned listening to them when you're growing up, too. Yeah, yeah. So Immigrant Song, is the, the drums on there is yeah. just crazy. Yeah. I, I love that. Does is Callie ever step into the cover realm and do some Led Zeppelin or uh, Alanis? We, we've done, um, we do like these little hooks or mm. like transitions between our songs where we mm. will grab parts of songs. Like most notably, like we'll do like five to one from the doors at the end of one of our cumbia songs. Yeah. Um, we've also done, we haven't uh, been able to, to incorporate it yet but we've practiced like love gun from kiss we just love that <laughs> that intro and outro just little pieces of them just that people can recognize and latch onto because they're memorable and not only for us you know as as rockers but also for the people in the crowd you never know when someone's like paying attention to that like oh wow that's you know mm. reminds me of something else so. yeah what does it mean to you to to headline the gothic theater when you know maybe your first gigs in denver were I'm, I'm imagining lion's lair or something like that yeah you know well it's a it's a big deal for us um oddly enough like one of our first gigs was at the gothic oh yeah yeah we we opened up for a band called bebe um there was a a local promoting company at the time called uh nipp nobody in particular presents and they mm. they were kind of the first ones independently that were risking to bring like latin artists and stuff and i remember they brought bebe uh, she's a spanish artist who was huge at the time um but honestly i don't know that the promotion was all there and everything mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of people at the show but 
not only that we show up for sound check and they don't have a backline they they the, like they told you they had one and yeah they didn't. Oh, well, wow. for them no we had our back oh they didn't no. have their own equipment so the headliner didn't oh, have geez. equipment they were like we have nothing like literally they had just their guitars their mm. instruments but no drums no including they had a dj in the band no turntables nothing um so we show up for sound check like at one and we load in and they're like is this our equipment we're like no this is for us they're like well can we use your stuff and we're like yeah like this mm. is, yeah go ahead so we let them use our equipment and it was like such a cool experience yeah. to be like starting out as a band but getting to play such a cool venue and like play with like an international artist yeah. and just like immediately be immersed by like what it is like to be in a like a i guess a, a level up from where you're starting right so when the we, green room itself green is incredible room, yeah. There. yeah so yeah right and so mm -hmm. from the start we were like this is where we want to be this mm -hmm. is where we need to go like so we we were lucky enough that at the time a lot of um of the big bands that were coming through like at the gothic at the ogden we were kind of tabbed to play those shows and so it was every two or three months that this was happening. So we early on we were playing the Gothic, That's the Ogden. Awesome. So it was very, and we, but we weren't, you know, that good at the time. <laughs> I mean, from my point of view, right? We were starting out. We should have been playing like Lions Lair and mm -hmm. Lair more Lounge. High dive. We had high dive, mm -hmm. but we we didn't have those opportunities even because we weren't even known in the, that scene. Right. But in the Latin scene, we were opening up these shows. So yeah, very lucky, very fortunate to 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 do that because we got to see and play with a lot of legends of, of the rock and espanol scene, of wow. bands that I grew up listening to as well. Which ones? Uh, Hombres G, being mm -hmm. one of them from Spain, um, Los Enanitos Verdes, um, Jaguares, um, Café Tacuba, Julieta Venegas. Um, this episode of my podcast needs a playlist now. Yes, put all this stuff on yes, for sure. Yeah. Molotov. Um, so, yeah, just a range of bands that... I never imagined like uh, even ever getting to meet them, let alone play on yeah. the same bill with them. Um, so we've been very fortunate to be able to to see that like face to face, like how they carry themselves, how yeah. professional they are, or how professional they're not. You know, right. in some cases. Yeah. But um, it was such a treat that it made the band just develop really quick, it made us kind of set our sights on on higher things. So you mentioned the. Um, kind of for us coming full circle starting out playing mm -hmm. a show early on at the gothic as an opener and then building a career off of that and then now being able to say like we're back at the gothic but now it's we're the it's headliner. our show it's our mm -hmm. show like we get to call the shots we get yeah. to bring the bands that we're going to give an opportunity to open mm -hmm. we get to people are here for us you know so you can choose you can choose the m&ms too you have like only red m&ms you know, something like that <laughs> absolutely <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's a treat and full circle for us, for sure. Yeah. So I uh, imagine that um, even when you weren't as good of a band as you are right now, I have the impression that you've always had this energy. That from the time you started, you said, no, we got to be 100% from the time our set starts. Absolutely. Has it always been that? Absolutely. And I, I can attribute that to my dad. Um, yeah. And seeing him perform, again, we, we got to play a lot of big shows with him, but a lot of small shows, like where we were grinding and like literally booking shows at Mexican restaurants and like bringing our PA mm -hmm. to a Mexican restaurant that like they're barely kicking out the, you know, they're closing out the restaurant for the night, the kitchen at 10 or 11, we're setting up the PA yeah. to do a show, you know? Right. And, um, 
but seeing him in action and like feeling the energy, sharing the energy with him. But he always has people moving. He still plays. The band is still active. Um, Where does he live? Uh, here in, in Denver. Oh, he does. Yeah, he's he's my neighbor. He, I, he lives <laughs> right next door. Well, to I me. should have him on the show. Yeah, too. you that should totally great. bring him. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, he uh, his thing is always having people moving. Like it's people have to get up and dance. And, yeah. And that because that energy exchange is needed in order for people to experience the type of music that I play, the type of music he plays. If um, the band's having a good time, the audience wants to have a absolutely. good time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the, the energy's always been there. And I think, um, you know, people recognize it because when we finally, it wasn't five years until the band uh, had been together that we actually started playing in the American scene, as we call it, mm-hmm. kind of playing with American bands. And by that time, um, we had evolved in the sound. We were more established. Um, but we noticed that people didn't really care that we were singing in Spanish. And it mm-hmm. was mainly because the energy was there and people were responsive to the sound and the energy of the band versus like just listening to the lyrics. Yeah. Um, so that's been part of it. And I think it has to do with that. Some of my favorite bands, uh, uh, Radiohead is one of them. I often don't understand what they're saying anyway, <laughs> you know, but it's the feeling of it. And so um, I actually prefer uh, some bands I love. Um, Los Lobos um, okay, yeah. is one of my absolute favorite bands, and I've interviewed a bunch of them. And the songs in Spanish where I don't understand the words, it, it actually hits me even more because more. <laughs> there's nothing but the feeling coming right. across. Absolutely. You know. And and see, we grew up in when we grew up in Mexico. The second well, when we when we went back in early teenage years, growing up in Mexico, obviously I was fortunate enough to know English and understand like mm. what Limp Biscuit and Blink One Eighty Two were saying. That's unfortunate. Yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Cranberries, all these bands, right? But uh, a lot of my peers at school, they didn't understand it, and they loved it. Yeah. And they yeah. could sing the songs, mm-hmm. even though they didn't know anything they were mm-hmm. saying. And so when I started the band here and decided that um, Iscali was going to be a project that was going to be in English and in Spanish, I thought I didn't like necessarily feel like I, I wanted to impose that on people, mm-hmm. but I wanted to give people the opportunity to explore something without the need of necessarily understanding it all. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I think that's what it creates curiosity for people. It creates... Um, a new experience where someone, as opposed to just going to a bar and listening to a band that, you know, plays all the traditional hits, or mm-hmm. even someone that you don't, maybe you don't know their music, but could understand what they're saying, mm-hmm. but instead listening to something that sonically sounds different, and also is like mysterious in a way, because mm-hmm. you don't really know what's going on with yeah. the sound. Yeah. Um, I was at the Rockies game for, uh, I don't know what they call it, Latin Heritage Night. Okay. The I Love Rockies. And I was I was there with my kid and um, Alicia Trujillo. Okay. And I was so happy that they didn't just get like, you know, a white wedding band that plays <laughs> Cuban music or, or something. And we took the escalator up, and it was like, holy shit, is Kali is playing? And it was loud as fuck. It was so loud. And, and I was just really happy that they had a local band, and they even showed you on the jumbotron, yeah, so was, you didn't have to go upstairs. It's such to a see treat, it. man. And and see. Uh, brands like that, um, organizations, and and even yeah, like corporate brands like that that mm-hmm. that stand behind the message of diversity, but actually also like put their money where their mouth is. Mm-hmm. I, that's key. I love partnering up with those kinds of uh, organizations and, and corporates because 
they do believe in it and they know the power of it mm -hmm. and and sometimes it, it for them it it can come from like um just due diligence kind of thing but whenever i get to connect with them i try to make sure that my message comes across and that mm. the energy and the authenticity of what our product is that it does align with what they're trying to do which is diversify yeah and and the fact that they did take you know because when they originally offered us the show i thought oh, we're gonna be like just kind of at the entrance because we've also worked with other sports teams that mm -hmm. kind of just eh, kind of right. on the side but when they were like no you guys are gonna be uh, taken care of you got a suite you guys yeah. on the big screen and like we got to go in there and, and meet some of the players and stuff it was like really nice and yeah. they they really took the time to take care of us and also um make it worthwhile and yeah. and really people give people the experience of what we are as a band too because they had a full sound and everything so yeah. it was it was a good experience to work with them now they just need a good team that would be yeah. nice <laughs> yeah um, have you always seen um you know being a musician and a, being a part of a music scene as well as being you know a, active in the community as, as being kind of hand in hand absolutely yeah. um you know just doing research um when i was starting my career of like the influential figures in music it all a lot of them were involved in some kind of way in the community uh, in different um aspects some of them more extremely and intensely um through like political views and things like that which mm -hmm. i think is a great way to get messages across um for some people it, it works our music is not political yet we do still have an agenda in terms mm -hmm. of like cultural diversity inclusion um equity more recently it's been more about equity realizing that um it's not enough to just open these um spaces for people you have to work harder to get them there right you mm -hmm. have to work harder to maintain a latin night or maintain um you know a workforce that is diverse it's not just enough with saying yeah we accept people of color we accept spanish-speaking people in our venue no it's like how do we bring them here how do we make them feel welcome mm. how do we engage them um but it definitely like i said in, in some of the people that i followed over the years that that have made a difference it's been about that's been taking their music and using it as a as an uh, a vehicle for these kinds of connections like what I said, bands do you have as examples of that well, for you? Uh, in Mexico, there's a, a ska band called Panteón Rococo, and they, they're huge. And, and we've got to, we haven't got to play with them here in Denver. We we played a festival with them in Chicago, but um, they're very subtle, in some ways, in their messaging, um, and sometimes they can be very extreme too in terms of how they, um, you know, they're against the man and all this mm -hmm. stuff, but not in a it's always in a way that it's empowering for people versus like just attacking right because right. you can you can do something about attacking the other side and and somehow that almost is like doesn't have an effect yeah and then you can do something about doing the same thing but like empowering people to by delivering that yeah. message in a way that really resonates with them and that creates change by affecting your your own people right yeah. not just necessarily fighting against the wall and like hammering on it mm -hmm. you're like doing it by like creating a movement yeah um there's a difference between this the sex pistols and the clash the sex pistols said everything sucks let's break it and the, and the clash said let's change it yeah yeah absolutely and so there's something empowering about that that can be delivered through music mm -hmm. both are strong messages of course but yeah. um it, it's 
empowering when you can take that to your your crowd and your community and and build upon it. Yeah. So uh, you're in this cabin. You got Alanis and you got um, uh, John Paul Jones and those guys. So what's the what's the third album you would want? Um, there's this um, uh, solo artist out of uh, Spain. His name is Guitarrica de la Fuente, and uh, I just discovered him maybe about a year and a half ago. He's a young kid. He's probably maybe 20 or 21. Um, but he has an amazing voice and uh, a lot of heritage in his sound. Um, definitely draws from, you know, you can see his clear influences once you start following him, but still very unique for his time, for this time, for this mm -hmm. day and age. Um, and he's uh, just a solo artist on the guitar, really flamenco in some parts, very pop in others, very diverse, but just his voice is very soulful. It's very sweet and very sad at the same time. So uh, I, I can listen to him all day too. And I got, I ordered his record from, yeah. it actually came all the way from Spain. Me levanto y no me quito. So uh, Iskali made it not only through the pandemic, but through um, a pregnancy yeah. as well. <laughs> Two pregnancies. <laughs> Two pregnancies? Yeah. So usually there would be a hiatus of some kind, but that didn't happen. No. And, and you see part of it, I mean, like they say, cliche, um, things happen for a reason, right? But at the time, my outlook in terms of creating music and, and this product and, and this fantasy of... of music for me I had a different outlook it was like very um you know show must go on kind of attitude and like very like by all means necessary mm -hmm. and it's it worked for me for a long time but it also affected my life by doing that in so many ways like mm -hmm. personally professionally in good ways and in bad ways but once I realized like I don't have to do anything like I could stop playing music today and still be happy with myself mm. then it made my um attitude of that kind of soften not only soften but kind of be more in, uh, intentional so when brenda got pregnant the first time it was kind of like good you're pregnant cool but hey we got shows <laughs> like let's keep pushing and let's keep doing and let's keep doing so um and i've talked to her obviously about this but i had to tell her hey like i maybe was too hard on this situation. Like maybe I could have been more supportive about it. Thankfully everything, you know, with her pregnancy went fine. But at the same time, it was like, we just pushed through it. Mm -hmm. Just kind of, she played till the last minute and everything. And so then she got pregnant a second time and still kind of, I was still kind of on the boat of like, okay, well, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to work around this? Right. Or that, that was my thought. Mm -hmm as opposed to seeing it like, hey, what a beautiful experience for you. Like, what do you need? And mm -hmm. how can we be responsive towards you? Um, and of course, you know, things did change for her. We were more open with our schedule and things like that. But at the same time, it was still a struggle for me personally yeah. and my outlook and my vision of what the band needed to be. So it's been a growing experience. 
relationship-wise with my sister the last couple of years in terms of her and I creating not only a stronger musical relationship, but even like a a brother-sister relationship Mm -hmm. that can be grounded on like a common goal, which is music, but also a common uh, love for each other, you know, And, and respect for our time, for our direction in life. So it's been an awesome experience to say the least to be able to experience that with her but then also be able to utilize it with the rest of the members of the band and being responsive with them and understanding of what they have going on it's a struggle for me for sure i'm not gonna lie Mm because it's still difficult for me sometimes especially like when we're getting prepared for a big show like this i'm still like oh like we gotta do this we gotta Mm -hmm. do that but then we also have to take the time to like be present with what have going around us you know yeah have the kids been to the, any shows yet? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, and see, that was one of the the things that's been different for us um, f- compared to when we grew up. Around knowing that my dad was a musician, but kind of like just seeing him disappear and then reappear, mm. but not really knowing what was going on yeah. or where you know what that looked like. But they've been um, all the kids have been able to go. My two, I have two daughters, a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't know that. And so they've they've uh, been able to go to the shows. They come to the sound checks. They stay for the shows. Yeah. They they help me carry stuff around mm-hmm. and be involved as much as they want to be. That's another thing I've never forced them to like oh pick up an instrument or anything. But it's always mm-hmm. been like as much as they want to be or they or they can be. And then Brenda brings. So Brenda has been pregnant twice. So she had um, Leo. Um, he's three, and then she has twins that are. Oh wow! Yeah, they're. They're a handful, <laughs> a twin boy girl twins, yeah. and um, but they've got to to come to the shows, mm-hmm. and it's been such a treat to be able to play like these community events where where families are welcomed, so that our families can also be there and experience this again this communal effect that the band has. Yeah, my dad was in uh, a, a, a wedding bands, you know, and and would wear like the like the ruffled yeah. white. <laughs> undershirt and, and like a blue suit and stuff and i never got to see him play and my like my, my only memory of of like actually witnessing him in music was that i went upstairs and uh it was a bar that was having a wedding reception and i didn't even get to see sound check it was just that you know it was all set up and they had sound checked and then there was an organ and other things and i was like this is so rad and my kid has seen me play uh, 200 times and uh, saw us play um, um, at Red Rocks and um, <laughs> it was in the front row. And the entire show apparently was just saying, can we go? <laughs> and like, um, you know, backstage at Red Rocks underneath, they have that little formation, like rock formation okay. thing. And, and my kid, the whole show was like, can I just go play? Can I just go play? So it's 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 interesting that a thing that maybe you would assume is cool is just like well that's still my dad so it's lame mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. do your kids go to shows and say oh, my dad's a rock star or is it just like can it, we it, go you know it's it's been uh, up and down yeah. you know like early on they were very impressed and then now it's very common for them like mm-hmm. um, but I know it's a, it's something that at least they get to experience and that. Um, they'll get to, at some point, you know, unpack that. At, at some point, they might grow up and say, man, like, I really wish my dad were, wasn't so busy playing yeah. these shows, yeah. right? Or 
we're always doing music and now I don't want I don't want to do anything with it right or they might be like I was lucky that my dad was always doing this because I got to see this right mm -hmm. so um, I'm mindful of that always because I, I want to make sure that I get to live my life and search for my happiness but also be a guide for them mm -hmm. so exposing them to it to me is the beginning of it whatever that that path may lead for them I, I don't know yeah but um it can it's varied like I've gone to 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 Isabel and Victoria's school and Sometimes I'll pick them up at Carline, and they're like, oh, there was a kid that was wearing your shirt today at school. Oh, wow. And I was like, really? Yeah. Like, what did you tell him? She's like, I just stared at him, and he was like, what are you looking at? <laughs> and then I just said, I don't know. And then I just turned away <laughs> and ran away. And I was like, so what did you feel? And she's like, well, I don't know. I just, it just was weird. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Um, and then yesterday we went to Parade of Lights or downtown just to walk around at the Civic Center and we um we had posted these uh decals all, all over broadway mm. and we're walking by and i showed them one and they were like wow and their friends were there the friends mm. were impressed so they were like oh yeah that's my dad he's right there that's yeah, great check man. it out so yeah it's uh yeah it's an experience for sure but uh i i, I hope they remember it fondly yeah uh, I had the experience when my kid was in the second grade. There was the very first day you line up and the teacher's there and, and the teacher, Mary, uh, all of a sudden turned back and, and looked at me and said, I've seen you play a lot of times. I'm a really big fan. <laughs> and and I think I, I got I'm on her good side throughout the year because I got her into some shows and things. Uh -huh. um, but the thing that's happened for me, and maybe it's, it's happened for you as well, is um, your kid might not be impressed and maybe think even though you're doing something ostensibly cool it's still your dad and, and, and it's lame but once in a <laughs> while when your kids friends are around and your kid doesn't know that you're listening you can hear them say something like oh my dad played this or that and did this and that and you're like oh cool yeah cool. yeah <laughs> and yeah it has happened um mm -hmm. like yeah i've told my, my friends that you're a musician like and even though that's not my full-time job and mm -hmm. that's not my, our source of income main source yeah. of income but they're proud of that and that's how they know me and and i like that because mm -hmm. um they know that you know I, I i do bust my ass in my day job but also do it in, as a passion mm -hmm. um and as a as a mission in in my life in music and they yeah. see that and i think they're appreciative of that and it it soaks in them. I, I I can hear them singing. I can hear them dancing. Mm. I can, or see them dancing and doing stuff that I don't ask them to do. That it, it, it just soaks right. in, and I, I I think it'll have a, a good effect on them in the long long term. Just the fact that they see you on stage doing something that that you love that's so clearly important to you, and uh, probably it's the thing that makes you feel the most in yourself. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. For your kid to see you doing that instead of just sitting at a desk, <laughs> hitting your head against the wall is very good. <laughs> yeah. That is a good thing. I would say so. Okay, so album number four. Um, let's see. Uh, the Killers, uh, uh, Sam's Town, that, that album, it's one of my favorite ones. I got to see them at Red Rocks, and I got to see them at Ballerina this year. Hmm. And yeah, that's one of my favorite bands, one of my favorite albums for sure. Yeah. Have the Killers also had an, um, an effect on you as performers? 
Um, I would say so. Um, they uh, they've gone as far as for the long the time that I followed them, they've gone through different like visual changes. Like early on, they like wore makeup and stuff, very mm-hmm. glammy, and then they got they've gone through different phases. I feel. But um, I remember going with Brenda to Red Rocks and one of the the shows we experienced there with the Killers at their show. They had like confetti just flat. That was the first time I had seen something like that. And it was just like so impressive. So we've tried that a couple of times with different levels of mm-hmm. success. <laughs> uh, uh, the confetti stuff, but also just their visuals and like the intertwining of the songs and stuff that definitely as performers, I, I appreciate them. And I, I could see, um, I can see when we try to emulate some of those things and try to bring that into our show. Yeah. Sure. So the show at the Gothic, uh, and then what? What are your plans? Uh, so we've always talked about touring, and it's so strange because it's like the band's been ar- along, around for such a long time, and we've already accomplished so many things um, that a lot of touring bands are looking to do, mm-hmm. like establish themselves or like turn a profit on the band, which um, that's a big deal when you're a touring band. But we've been able to do that just here in Colorado, so it's just been difficult to um, do that, um, especially at where we're at where we're at in our lives. Like right yeah. now, you know, having children and and, and full time day jobs, we can't just leave for two weeks like right. that easy. When we were nineteen and twenty, or like a lot of touring bands are early mid twenties, they can do that. You just sleep on people's floors. Yeah, and sleep don't really on, worry yeah about it. we can't. You know. Mm. And so we have to look at smart touring, which I know there's a structure for it out there. We we can we experience it here in Colorado when we play like those cultural um, like city events and like corporate events where we still get to be ourselves. No one ever asks us to play covers or do anything mm-hmm. crazy that we wouldn't do um, on on our own. So we've been trying to establish a connection and like try to understand how can we like export our product at the same level we do here, like play cultural events in different cities and in mm-hmm. and, and places I know they, they don't have what it is we can offer. Right. And, and we already are kind of doing that. We'll, we play like a couple of shows in Iowa and Des Moines of all places, um, you know, where that's what they import. They import us and they bring that cultural diversity, but the people are so welcoming and open to it, surprisingly enough, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and... So we know that there's a struct like we can develop a structure for that where we could hit those cities up and play those cultural event shows, but also be able to do kind of just your run of the mill like bar or concert mm-hmm. where you know because those other ones are kind of during the day and stuff, but they pay well. Yeah, they, they, you know yeah. they get you out there. So kind of as anchors. So that's kind of the plan for the next year, just to really get ourselves out there, maybe um, create a tour that's that's. Uh, founded or like anchored on the the cultural type of shows and then build on like a tour around that to also be able to play those night shows where we're just you know grinding and seeing yeah. what's out there 
Well, good luck. I mean, I think you can Thank do it. You. It's just a matter of hard work. Hard work. You guys yes. know how to work hard. Yes, we and we yeah. do. We do. Um, I think sometimes the struggle has been like we've been waiting for someone <laughs> to that knows what to do with our product that mm -hmm. is already at the next level because we've inched ourselves up, but it's been through our own work. We yeah. have not ha found someone that's like, hey, you know what? I, I work for this company and this is what I do. I know how to work with this kind of band and it's very rare to find that. A lot of people say they can though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, mm -hmm. yeah, and they can't. So, mm -hmm. and that's the thing um, that's been hard because we do meet a, a lot of uh, we agents and stuff from like the, the touring bands from Mexico mm -hmm. and things like that. But a lot of the times they too, they don't understand our product. Um, mm -hmm. Like I was just telling Brenda, we, I do backline rentals as well as one of my side gigs and and i did a, a backline rental for a band from mexico called los daniels and um they uh they do well down there in mexico and stuff but they, the show here wasn't very well attended mm, it's not and, and a crossover the, it's not a crossover mm. band and i told brenda that i was like do you realize that even though they're huge in mexico we have a, an advantage over them. Like, they are an indie Spanish band, but we are, like you said, like an alternative mm -hmm. kind of band that we already, we don't, we can fit anywhere, right? We can play in Mexico. You're a Swiss but, Army knife. And we can play here. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. And I was like, Los Daniels could play in Mexico, but here they came to the show and nobody really knew mm -hmm. what to make of it, but also it wasn't, um, it didn't have a crossover appeal. And I was like, do you realize we're like sitting on something that we've built? We mm -hmm. like maybe unsuspectedly we built it, but now we got to take advantage of it. How do we take it out there? That's yeah. the, the question. And it's so the plan next year, since we don't have, we don't plan on recording anything next year is to focus on that. How do we get out there? Yeah, man. You can do it. I know you can. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So you're in this cabin. You got one last album to, to choose. <laughs> Let me think. There's a band. I, I've never really been into electronic music until uh, two years ago, I would say. Um, there's a band called Rufus the Soul. They're amazing. And I think what really attracted me to them was not like hearing the music but actually seeing them like mm. and at first of course i saw them on videos online and i realized they were playing everything that was coming out of the like on the track right which is rare for me at least i didn't know this about electronic music there are people that play it but they're really good at it and it's three guys and it's they play everything there's even parts where like it sounded like they were playing like just arpeggios on like programmed on the keys but no he's like literally like tugging away like playing on mm -hmm. the keys and then they have a, a drummer with the hybrid kit so right it has like a acoustic kit but also electronic components to it it's an amazing show they put together but it's um i like to dance so their yeah. music is super danceable and maybe if you make the zombies dance they won't want to eat you too. <laughs> It'll save your life you know yeah <laughs> but yeah, I would enjoy having their album, uh, you know, just to dance a little bit, even if the zombies are going to break into the cabin. Mm -hmm. Might as well go out like that. Yeah. <laughs> one last question, though. Mm -hmm. If you're in this cabin and you can have one item, 
while you're escaping, you can bring it with you. As long as you can carry it, what would that A guitar. A guitar. Down. Yeah, hands down. A guitar. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that'd keep you busy. <laughs> Almost every musician who I've had on it has said that they would bring their, their instrument. Yeah. Except uh, Clay Rose from, from Gasoline Lollipops, he said he would bring a teddy bear, oh, a yeah. giant teddy bear. And then he said, no, 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 I would also like it to have machine guns for, uh, for, for hands, because that would save me from the zombies. sounds like Clay. So. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about Clay. Yeah. The, one of the people I admire most in the music scene mm. in Colorado. Um, but I love one of his songs, uh, Vanilla Baby. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I was just, it's uh, got a 50s thing. Yeah, we, yeah, I was singing it to Anna the other day. And oh wow! Yeah, I was like, I stole the drum. That's me on that track, and I, I stole the drum beat from, uh, "Be My Baby." You know, dum, 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 I just completely ripped that off. Ah, but. Okay, <laughs> I can hear that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You guys opened for the Widow's Bane at Washington yeah, too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a fun show. I like the, the Widow's Bane more than Gasoline Lollipops. Okay, just. Hmm. It's a show. Yeah. yeah. And there's zombies, too. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. zombies, too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for being on the show, and and it was just great to meet you, too. Hey, thank you, man. I appreciate everything. appreciate your time and opening up the space. Um, yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. I appreciate you. Absolutely. I'll give you another hour, then I gotta run, I gotta fly away, leave you to fall. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, check out Is Kali wherever you listen to music. I mean, what's more American than an immigrant song? And please dig deep into the Mexican music Miguel mentioned as well. And uh, don't forget, there are Spotify uh, playlists that I'm making uh, for each year of Mile High Stash. And, and they include songs from all of the albums my guests have chosen. Um, uh, please email me sometime as well, milehighstash um, at gmail.com. And I'll even send you a sticker if you like. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk next Monday. Everything will fall. I want to go back to Montreal.